0: جزاكم الله خيرا والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الحمد لله علي الذات عظيم الصفات سميه السمات كبير الشان جليل القدير الرفيع الذكر مطاع الامر الجليل البرهان فخم الاسم غزير العلم وسيح الحلم كثير الغفران جميل الثناء جزيل العطاء مجيب الدعاء يعميم الاحسان Sarih al-Hisabi, Shadid al-Iqabi, Alim al-Azabi, Aziz al-Sultan. Wa nashhadu an ilaha illa Allah wahdahu, la shariqa lah. Fi al-Khalqi wal-Amr. Wa nashhadu an muhammad Abduhu wa rasulu, Al-Mab'uuthu ila al-Aswardi wal-Ahamar. Al-Man'uuthu b-Shar-Hisadhi wa-Raf'i al-Dhikr. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashaabihi. Al-Lazhinahum khulaasatu al-Arabi al-Arabaa. Wa khailul khalaiqi ba'da al-Anbiyaa. اما بعد فيا ايها الناس وحدوا الله فان توحيد راس الطاعات واتقوا الله فان اتقوا Bisunna كل Sunna وعليكم بالسنة فان السنه تهدي الى الطاعه ومن اطاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى واياكم فان البدعه تتهدي الى المعصية ومن عصى الله ورسوله فقد ضل وغاوا وعليكم بالاحسان Fainalah, you hibble muhsinin, what ruhu fainahu mujibu dain, was sofiruhum de dekumbi amwali wabanein, a udhu belahim in a shaitanir rajim. Waakimis salatali dhikri. Here at Qalam, whenever the winter time rolls around and we get closer to the winter break, it's always a time where a lot of our focus is on the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. That's not because of anything particular in the calendar, Islamically or historically, but it's because every winter we host what we call the seerah intensive, where people come from far and wide and they dedicate 10 days to studying the life of the Prophet ﷺ, morning, afternoon, and evening. And what that results in is that we're spending a lot of time preparing the curriculum the materials getting ready for the actual class and so i've spent the last number of days reviewing all the different materials and the you know the curriculum and all the assignments and all the reading and everything and that resulted in reflecting naturally upon what i was reading and that's one of the Beauties, one of the very beautiful aspects of our deen and our religion is our deen and our religion is attached to these undeniable, irrefutable um, sources. That our religion is ground, it's bound by the sources of our religion. The Qur'an and the sunnah. The Qur'an, the book of Allah, the revelation from Allah Himself. And then the life, the lessons, the legacy of our messenger Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi wa And this is so fascinating because, on one hand, it provides an anchor. Something that we are always attached to. So no matter how much the wind may push us, here or there, it always keeps us attached and keeps us grounded. Number two, in a time where we see this constant debate and competition of different ideas and even ideologies, we have an understanding of what our parameters are. And every single thing that we will discuss, every single thing that we believe, every single thing that we practice and we do, we always ensure that it is within the boundaries, the parameters, the confines of what the Qur'an and the life of the Prophet give us. And so we always remain within that. And it's also extremely beneficial because these are not just some ordinary resources. This is not like some book or a dictionary or an encyclopedia where it's a source of information but at some point you've exhausted that information. The Qur'an is the word of Allah, it is the speech of God Himself. It is a sea without shores. It's the well that keeps on giving and giving and giving. And every single time we go back to it, every single time we go to it, we will continue to come back with something more, something more beneficial. And it will continue to benefit us. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused us in the Qur'an, Barun al-Quran, To be constantly reflecting upon the Qur'an. There's this beautiful story of Imam shafii rahimahullah ta'ala from the end of his life. Not the beginning, but the end of his life when he's past his 60s, and he spent an entire lifetime not only learning and studying, but teaching and writing about the religion. So think about how much knowledge he already has and how much he's already reflected upon the Qur'an. And he came to stay at the home of his student, who he, he himself, his student is a great imam now, in his own rights, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah ta'ala, who is a great scholar and a great teacher of scholars at this point. So imagine the seniority of Imam al-Shafi'i and he comes to stay at his home and there's this interesting kind of interaction where he, Imam Ahmad tells his daughter that the, my teacher, Imam al-Shafi'i, he is in the habit of waking up a good amount of time before Salat al-Fajr, at which time he will require water, uh, to be able to make wudu and prepare, and then he worships before prayer, Fajr prayer, and then we go for the Fajr prayer. And the doctor put the water in front of the guest room outside, put a bucket of water there, so that he could utilize it in the morning to make wudu. They went for Salat al-Fajr, they came back, and then the daughter you know, catches her father and says, I have a question to ask you. You were so emphatic about, well, you know, your teacher, he wakes up before Fajr, and he'll need this water, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when y'all left for Fajr, I went and I saw that the bucket was untouched. And I just wanted to point that out, that that's kind of interesting. So he asked his teacher, and he said that, were you okay? Are you feeling all right? Because, you know, my daughter noticed that you hadn't utilize the water before Fajr. So I just wanted to make sure you weren't sick or something like that. And he says that I, after we had dinner and I retired to the room, to the guest room, I opened the Qur'an to just recite something before I went to bed. And I started reading Surah Al-Fatiha. And I started reflecting on Surah Al-Fatiha and I got so lost in that study of Surah Al-Fatiha This is a 70-year-old legendary scholar. I got so lost in my reflection of Surah Al-Fatiha that the hours went by and I didn't realize until I heard the Adhan for Fajr. That's the Qur'an. And similarly, the life of the Prophet is again just this endless treasure that keeps giving us these gems that we can keep on going back to and reflecting upon. And so to not belabor the point to get to what I wanted to mainly talk about, in reading and reflecting on the life of the Prophet ﷺ, there's something particularly um, powerful, or at least it was, uh, the impact of it upon me was profound. And that was looking at the last days of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. And you think a lot about departing. And what it means to depart and to leave this world. Or even the temporary kind of like earlier departure when you are in someone's company and you are departing, you are leaving. You know, when I'm dropping my child off at school and as my child gets out of the car, what do I feel like I need to say to my child? And I say, be safe, be good. You know, don't get in trouble. Whatever the case may be. Because that's important. At that time, I don't say, you know, um, do you like spaghetti? I'm not going to say something r- silly like that. I'm not going to bring up something very, you know, insignificant at that moment. Your sweater looks nice. Like, that's fine. But I'm also thinking about the fact that I am leaving my minor child, my vulnerable child somewhere in somebody else's care and think about just as a parent you know the, the, the natural inconquerable fear that is attached to that moment what do I say at that moment? And I say be safe you know call me if you need anything whatever the case may be and so the Prophet ﷺ nobody loved us after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no one loves us. No human being has ever loved us like the Prophet sallallahu did. He gave everything for us. He sacrificed everything for us. He lived his life so that we may attain salvation. So that we may find success. So that we could find our way to paradise. Everything he did, he did with us in mind loulā an 'alā ummatī multiple times there are a number of different issues about praying salat al-isha later in the night or doing siwak before every single prayer or when it comes to the night tahajjud prayer or when it comes to mandating the tarawih prayer so many different issues. The Prophet ﷺ said this and it's, it, of course it's something we benefit from but it's also a very beautiful moment where you observe him thinking about us. Where he says, had I not wanted to make things more difficult upon my ummah, I would have done X, Y, and Z. I would have made this mandatory. I would have made that mandatory. I would have told them they have to do this or they have to do that. But I didn't do it in order to be able to make things easier for them. And so he cared so much about us and about humanity and about the believers. So, what is the Prophet doing in his final moments? And that's where it's something very interesting. So, he wants to give us that message that the parent gives to the child as he, as he or she is departing from their child. The message you give them be safe, be good. Whatever the message you give them, the Prophet what message is he giving us? And there are two things in particular that stick out. Number one is that in the last week of the life of the Prophet the last eight days of his life, he fell very, very severely ill, tragically ill. To the point where he did not have the strength to sit up oftentimes, let alone stand up he could not make wudu on his own he could not put on his shirt by himself but even in that condition he called he would have aisha as-siddiqah radiallahu ta'ala anha our mother he would have her assist him in putting his shirt on he even asked her to go get the mother of the believers hafsa bint umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. he he told aisha go get hafsa And both of them assisted the Prophet ﷺ in making wudu and getting dressed. And then he would tell them to call for some of the companions. Ali bin Abi Talib, Usama ibn Zayd, Fadl bin Abbas. These young strong companions and they would come to the home of the Prophet ﷺ. While he is lying in bed, he was just assisted in putting on his shirt and making wudu. He cannot get up on his own, and he would tell them, come, pick me up. And they would lift him up, and they would put his arms around their shoulders, and then they would take the Prophet for the prayer. And on the first day or two, he could still kind of place his feet gingerly on the ground as they guided him and kind of semi-carried him to the masjid. But eventually, after a couple of days, Usama ibn Zayd radiyallahu ta'ala an, or Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu says, I saw that his feet were just dragging in the dirt behind him. They were basically just carrying him, and he was a, the Prophet was a little bit taller than the average person, so he was a little bit taller than them, so his feet were just dragging on the ground behind him. But he still said, take me to the prayer. Such an emphasis when we know And we have learned this from the Prophet ﷺ, that when you reach such a particular condition, first of all, even attending, and this is not to discourage anyone, but I'm speaking here, you know, very clearly to put it on the record, that attending the obligatory prayer in the masjid is not mandatory. None of the major scholars of our deen, of our history, none of the four madhahib say that it is mandatory to attend Salat al-Maghrib in the masjid. It's mandatory to pray Maghrib, but to attend it in the masjid is very good, it's very important, it's very rewarding, it's very beneficial, we all should definitely do it, but it's not mandatory officially. So he didn't have to go to the masjid. And secondly, we also learned from the Prophet ﷺ that when someone is sick, when someone is ill, when someone is injured, and they are physically not capable, physically not well, then it's definitely not mandatory on them, to, uh, on them to go. If somebody is that sick or that ill, they don't even have to come for Salatul Jumu'ah. Because they're sick, they're excused. مَا عَلَيْكُمْ فِي دين مِنْ حرج. Allah did not put hardship, Allah did not mandate hardship upon us in our religion. So it begs the question, why is the Prophet ﷺ, when he's 63 years old, so deathly ill that he can't open his eyes, he can't get his voice out, he can't talk. His fever is so high then Mughira bin Shu'bah radiallahu ta'ala anhu places his hand on the chest of the Prophet wasallam. Mughira ibn Shu'bah was like the bodyguard of the Prophet He places his hand on his chest and he moves his hand and he says, Ya تُوْعَكُ shadidan, ya Rasulullah." I can't even keep my hand on your chest. He's burning up with fever. His head is pounding. So much so that he tells Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha to take like a scarf and tie it around his head and squeeze it so that the pounding stops or subsides. He asks her to bring him a bowl of water and he keeps putting the water on his face to cool himself off. He can't sit up. Look at his condition. Then why is he insisting on somebody, on Aisha, go get a bucket of water. Hafsa, help me sit up. Guys, help me do wudu. Help me put my shirt on. Ali, Usama, come here. Lift me up. Take me to the masjid. Why is he doing this? Because he knew that he was departing. Because he knew that he was saying goodbye. Because he knew that he was dropping us off. And he wanted to give us the parting message that we needed more than anything. That never ever let go of your relationship with Allah. Never ever sacrifice your connection with Allah for anything. Stop whatever it is that you're doing, wherever it is that you are going, whoever it is that you are talking to, and say Allahu Akbar. And answer the call of Allah. Daakum Lima Yuhikum. Answer the call of Allah and His Messenger when they call you to that which is beneficial to you, which will give you life not only in this world, but in the life of the hereafter. That was his parting message. That was his goodbye. He set that example. And then, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who went to see the Prophet wasallam on the evening before he passed away. That, by that point, the Prophet wasallam had confirmed to the community that he was going to be passing away, that he would not recover from this illness. And everyone was coming and saying their goodbyes and their farewells, especially the family of the Prophet Alaihi And Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu ta'ala anhu comes there. And as he comes there, and he looks at the Prophet Wasallam, he sees the mouth of the Prophet moving. Like it's very obvious that he's saying something. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala said, but the Prophet ﷺ couldn't get his voice. He couldn't project his voice because of the illness and the weakness. So he says, I put my head down and I put my ear all the way to the mouth of the Prophet ﷺ. And these were the last words I ever heard him speak. And this is Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala who grew up in the home of the Prophet ﷺ who knew the Prophet ﷺ his entire life. He was 10 years old the day the Prophet ﷺ received revelation. And he believed on that same day. And spent the entire 23 years by his side. Married his daughter, was a part of his family. No one maybe had heard the Prophet ﷺ speak more than Ali had. Very few people had interacted with him more intimately than Ali had. And he says that these are the last words I heard him speak, and maybe the most profound. And when I put my ear down to his mouth, he said, "Assala, Assala, Assala, Assala." <laughs> there we go. Right? <laughs> That's that. Really, honestly, what a beautiful thing, Subhanallah. Right? That's why we do what we do. Right? That's why we do what we do. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala bless her. So, the Prophet ﷺ, he repeated his words, such emphasis. Take care of the prayer, take care of the prayer. Take care of your salah. Maintain it. أَلْزِمُوا lazimu. Hold on to it. Don't let go of it. It's a very powerful, emphatic style. It's a rhetorical device in the Arabic language that you just mentioned the object. So that you can then explore what you are saying. Offer the prayer. Hold on to the prayer. Don't let go of the prayer. Maintain the prayer. Obsess about the prayer. Define yourself through the prayer. Maintain your life around the prayer. Build everything in your life around the prayer. All these meanings are built into that. And that was his final advice. And then he added to that, wa That also be very God-fearing and mindful about the people that you are responsible for. Which is a very, very powerful piece of advice that we should explore. But today I wanted to focus on the first part, the first half of that advice, and that was the salah, the prayer. Maintain this. This is what he's saying when he's dropping us off. This is what he's saying as he's saying goodbye. This is what he's saying as he hugs us and departs. This was his advice. I know it's very simple. I know that we talk about it all the time. I know everybody's here to pray. So it's kind of like what we call preaching to the choir. But it's not about just now. It's not just about Jummah. It's not just about Friday. It's not just only about when we find ourselves in the masjid or in a gathering. It's about it just being how we live our lives. That all kinds of circumstances and all kinds of situations will come our way. But maintaining that connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through and through. All throughout. Time and time again. And that was the parting advice of the Prophet His life, his mission started with, Qum wa Qum illa qaleela. It started with prayer. On the night that he departed where on the night when he was taken on the night journey to console him and comfort him in the moment of his greatest personal tragedy. How did Allah comfort him and console him? He took him to al-Masjid al-Aqsa where he led all the prophets in prayer. When he went to Sidratul Muntaha where no creation has ever gone before, he fell in prostration and sujood before Allah. When he was leaving Mecca for the hijrah, the migration, he went and offered one last prayer at the haram. When he arrived in Quba, he first established a prayer. When they walked in and settled in Medina, he first established a prayer. In the battlefield he prayed. On the backs of camels he prayed. In the journey he prayed. At home he prayed. In the masjid he prayed. In daytime he prayed. At night he prayed. إِذَا أَمْرٌ فَزَعَ إِلَى Anything came up, he prayed. He was happy, he was feeling good, he prayed. He was hurting and he was sad. He would pray. When he was dying, he prayed. And as he breathed his last, he reminded us to pray. It's, a very, it's the first lesson we ever learned in our deen. It's a very simple, basic lesson but it's one that we constantly need to remind ourselves about and that we need to remember the importance of barakallahu lana wa lakum fil qur'an al azim wa nafa'ni wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikra al hakim astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa li al muslimin fastaghfiruhu innahu huwal al rahim الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وعباد. so in the spirit of talking about practicality and that's the beauty of this particular you know issue and this topic is that we get the opportunity to be able to practice this lesson in an hour and a half that it will be time for Salat al-Asr. And it's a Friday and we have to finish up work and we have to pick up our kids from school and there's all kinds of weekend plans that are pending, etc., etc. But we will have the opportunity to be able to practice this lesson. That do we stop and offer that prayer. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to be able to pray and to worship till our last breath. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us consistency in our Salah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with a strong connection to our Lord. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to always have our heads bowed before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tranquility and khushur within our Salah. Allahumma aizu al wa muslimin Allah mansul Islama al Musimen, Allah Mahdina wahdibina wa Ja'allah Sababaliman Tada, Allah Ma'ina ala Dikrika wa Sukrika wa Hasan Aybadachik, Allahma Hsanaa Kibatana Filumuri Kuliha, wa ajna min Hizid Dunya wa Adabilahira, Allahma Fikana Alima tu Hibwa Tarda, wa salahu ta'ala al in na Bigil Kareim. ta'ala in Allah yat Murbil Adili walih sani wa Ita idul kurba, way inha anil Fahsha iwal munkari al bagh, Ya'idu kumla al لكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يسجب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة